Hello, and welcome to Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. Good afternoon, Toastmasters. This is Don Griffith, your podcast host. Today I'm with Michael Desiderio. Hello, Michael. How you doing, Don? Great. Michael, you're a Toastmaster. I am. How long have you been in Toastmasters? It's a great question because I've come up on my anniversary. I started in January of 2002, officially. So t- almost 20, well, 20 years. 20 years. 20 yeah. years, yeah. It's all flown by. And what is your current club? Dobson Ranch Toastmasters is my home club, and I also am a charter member of Epicurean Toastmasters. Ah. I remember when Epicurean chartered during my district governor year as one of the clubs that put us over the top. That's right. It was <laughs> crazy, but it's been a great, it's a great club, both great clubs. I've belonged to some others over the years, but those have been the two I've stayed with. Yeah. And uh, Dobson Ranch, of course, I've heard of that. Many people have heard of that. That's a very vital and vibrant club. And uh, usually has a waiting list to get in. Is that still true? I don't think during these times it's true, but for a while it was. Yeah. yeah. We were up to about 60 members, I think. And it's great. It's still vibrant. There's still on any given week, probably 25 or 30 that are in the room, which yeah. is pretty healthy. That's a good, good turnout. Yeah. Michael, you are kind of famous around the district for a lot of reasons, but one is being in contests. You have been in a few contests. About how many have you been in? Yeah, I've been in a few. I track this, Don, because I'm crazy that way. And if you add up all the cycles, you know, club, area, and multiple clubs, and I've mostly focused on international, but if you throw my experience with some of the others, it's close to 80 times that I've competed. It's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. And you've been moderately successful in that. You're a regular at the district contests, and I know you've gone on to the regional a couple of times. Well, I've won the the district eight times now, so I've been to the district 13 times, and so it means I've been to the regional or semifinals, as they changed the name, uh, eight times. So it's been a privilege. But I know, and you know, probably you're going, I wish he wouldn't bring this up. You haven't broken through to the international stage. No, I haven't. I, I will say this. When Toastmasters changed the format from the regional to the semifinal, I know a lot of people really didn't like that. I liked it because it at least brought you to the international convention to compete in the semifinal rounds. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it, I have not broken through, but it has been... What a growth process, you know, to think about that first time I competed in 2003 and then the last time I competed in last year to look at myself. I don't mean just as a speaker, but as and it's going to sound corny, but as a person, you really grow through the process of Toastmasters and the competition piece of it. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah. So you first competed in 2003, but you joined in 2002. So you got into it right away. I did. As a matter of fact, when I joined, so my first club meeting as a guest, I'll never forget it, it was December of 2001. I went with a friend of mine. His name is Jose. He, He joined for a couple of months and then Toastmasters wasn't really for him. But I remember that first meeting because as a guest, they said, do you want to do this table topics thing? And I said, sure. What do I care? And I won and I was hooked. You know, I was hooked. And then in January, I became officially a member and I heard about this contest. I'm like, I want to do that. They're like, well, you, 
you can't. You have to have six speeches. And because it was going to be starting, I think, back then in February or March, if I remember correctly. And I went and watched the process. And I was, man, I was hooked. It was so seductive. And so then as soon as I was eligible the next year, I jumped in. And there's some wisdom behind that for the international, I think. And I know it probably frustrates some newer members like it did me. But then once I understood sort of the reasons behind it, one, I think I was better equipped to compete, quite frankly. But you sort of have a a better appreciation for all of Toastmasters as opposed to this this one thing. Right. And that give, having to have done a few projects already gives you some of the basic skills that you need. And when you go to the contest level, of course, you need those even more. That first meeting, tell us about that first meeting. You said you volunteered for Table Topics and you won. What other impressions do you have from that that first meeting? Yeah, you know, at least for Dobson Ranch, that was my first meeting, so my first club. The people that were in the room, and this is true today, the faces are different, Not, not all of them, not all of them, but they were just so welcoming. So it was clear to me that this was a group focused on helping whoever walked through that door to get better, whatever that meant for them. For some people, it meant, yeah, I want to be a better public speaker. For others, it just meant I want to be able to string two sentences together in front of a group without fainting. (laughs) And so it it was so evident. I thought, how did I not know about this sooner? (laughs) It's like a secret. It's like a secret society, even though I know it's not. (laughs) Well, in the irony, and I know this isn't really directly related to Toastmasters, but it sort of is in a way. I walk into that club meeting and the president at the time, who was, I think, just finishing up his term was Paul Brunaforte, one of my best friends today. And I didn't know Paul, but I knew his name because we're both alumni of ASU's executive MBA program from different errors. But and I had gotten a notice from ASU saying that Mr. Paul Brunaforte is going to be hosting this alumni gathering at his house that night because he was the president of the alumni association. Anyway, long story short, I walk in and he's up in front of the room and I'm like, I don't know him, but I know his name. And I go over and at the end, I said, I'm coming to your house tonight. He's like, you're coming to my house. I'm like, yeah, I'm coming for this alumni thing. And it's just funny, the threads. And what I learned from that though is Toastmasters seems to attract people that either want to grow or help people to grow. And if you know, and you know Paul very well, and that's mm-hmm. true. It's true of you. It's true of so many people in in the, the leadership and, and around just rank and file members. I mean, that's yeah. what Toastmasters attracts, I think. Yeah. You come, many members come to get a skill or skills to learn something. But the ones like you and I who stay, stay for a lot of different reasons. One, we want to give back and but there's some great people in Toastmasters. You make friends. Most of the, I, I thought about it the other day. We, my club is trying to get members. Of course, we always try to get members. And I'm thinking, all right, who can I ask to be in this Toastmaster club? Everybody I know who isn't my immediate family is in Toastmasters. <laughs> I know hundreds and hundreds of Toastmasters. No, it's true. You know, my day job, I've had the privilege to literally speak all over the world. And I always uh, find a reason to bring Toastmasters up. And But I never think about it like I'm selling. It's just natural, right, right. to talk about it because right. you know how valuable. But I remember I was in Barcelona one year and somebody comes over to me on a break and they said, 
so uh, so how much does Toastmasters pay you to talk about it? I said, well, they don't pay me. They said, well, you talked about it for like five minutes. I'm like, well, that's because it works. It works. Yeah. And I can't help it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they owe me a check, but they've never sent me one. No. So. <laughs> well, all of us in Toastmasters are ambassadors wherever you go, like you said. So what kind of work do you do, Michael? So I run an association of business schools, at least for the last 14 plus years. And part of that responsibility is I'm the talking head for the industry. So I travel around and give industry talks, do lots of media interviews. Most of them are with reporters over the phone, but I've been on TV, lots of radio interviews. Believe it or not, radio's still alive. It's out there. And, and then, you know, we do a lot of research, we put on programs and... I have the privilege of owning the budget and the strategy and, and the team that works for us. But of course, my favorite part is that talking headpiece to be out there and just having the privilege to share about our industry and what we do and do it in a way that's effective because of what Toastmasters has allowed me to learn over the course of 20 years. So it's safe to say that Toastmasters has helped you in your job. <laughs> not yet, in a great way, in a great way. Yeah, and it's not even just the speaking, like the formal stage stuff. Certainly it's helped there. But I work for a board of trustees and board presentations and just interaction with customers. It, you learn to think about communication in a way that's different I won't say for everybody, but that then most of us have probably been accustomed to before you have that exposure to Toastmasters. Right. Toastmasters has been known for almost 100 years as a communications tool, a teaching to speak in public. But there's more to it than that. There's also the leadership component. We talk about learning leadership and communication skills. You are a leader in your industry. You're a leader in your club and your Toastmaster world. There are a lot of opportunities in Toastmasters to learn to be a leader. Practice makes perfect. One of those things that I'd like to talk about today is being in a speech contest. You've been in 80 or almost 80 contests. So you've had a lot of experience with the process, with the ups and the downs, with the, uh, the various levels of competition what advice do you have for someone who's heard the, the district news that speech contests are here and they're thinking, yeah, uh, so what? what? What do you have to say to them? How much time do we have, Don? Because I have so much <laughs> I've to got say. A lot of, I've got a lot of virtual <laughs> tape on my recorder. <laughs> well, well, let me start from the, I think the reason most people, not everybody, most people get into a contest is to win, right? They're like attracted to this idea of the, the trophy. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I've always been attracted to the trophy, but as I've grown, I realized that's so secondary, right? It's so secondary. The idea is to move an audience, which to me comes back to, and I hope this makes sense, comes back to this, this you alluded to leadership. And for me, leadership is about influence. And as a speaker, speaking is about influence. They're very closely tied. So if you're sitting out there, and I'll get to more of the pragmatic pieces of competing, but if you're sitting out there as someone thinking about, oh, here's this contest thing, should I do it? Should I not do it? My first question for you is, do you think that influence is a skill that is worth having? And if you answer no, then turn off the recording or turn off the listening device that you're getting this on 
and, and go somewhere else. But the truth is everything is about influence with our kids, with our families. With, I don't mean manipulation and people go, so that means he wants to manipulate everybody. No, but the reality is you really can't force anyone to do something they don't want to do. I, I guess you can if you do something illegal. You know, you can influence people. You can give them something new to think about, something to consider. And what I found with the contest is it teaches you how to do that in a very compressed timeline. Because to give a five to seven minute speech sounds simple. I assure you, as you know, because you've done it, it's not, particularly when you're talking about trying to make people feel and think and laugh. With the end goal, yeah, there's some trophy out there, but the real end goal is how can I influence an audience to improve or take an action or to think differently? That's the beauty of what Toastmasters has created. And I don't know a leader that's worth their salt that doesn't try to figure out how can I more effectively influence the communities that I serve. As you're saying that, I'm thinking, you know, there's another reason for winning at a contest. Because when you win at a contest, you go to the next level and you do it again. And guess what? There's usually a larger audience, more people to try to relate to and help them find out something new, to learn something, to have a new look on life. And if you win there, you go to the next level. If you go all the way for the international contest, there's a very large audience, thousands of people. And now, the last two years, the international contest, which is held in August at the World Convention, on the International Convention, that's been done virtually, and it will be done virtually again this year. But hopefully, this sneaky virus will stop messing with the world and we'll be able to get back to having an in-person convention. And I've been to many of those, as you have. There's an audience of 2,000 people who all want you to be successful. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that makes Toastmasters different. I won't say in the business world people don't want you to be successful, but there's a different kind of competition. You know, it's a different motivation with money, and it's important. But in Toastmasters, people really do want you to be successful. When they're sitting there, they may be rooting for their club mate, but they're rooting for everybody. They really are, and it's, it's hard to find that. And you said something that I don't want to miss here. You talked about each level is a bigger audience. And it's funny you say that because years ago, 2003, the first year I competed, somebody you know, uh, Brian Cavanaugh, I had the privilege of competing against Brian at the district the first time I went to the district and somehow I managed to win that contest. And, and Brian uh, came and spent time with me afterwards. And I was of course picking his brain. He's like this legend. And, and he said, Michael, here's the thing. I know you want to win the trophy. He said, but the next level not only gives you a bigger audience to practice on, but it gives you a bigger audience to hopefully influence somebody, even if it's one person. Every time you go up, there's a, right, statistically a higher probability because there's a bigger audience that you will impact somebody. And that's really what we're, we're trying to do as speakers. And it was a great, you know, message and lesson to embrace early. And so, yeah, so I couldn't agree with you more, Don. Yeah. You may never know that you've reached out and touched that one person in an audience, 
Sometimes, though, they might come back and tell you. Has that ever happened to you? It has, Don. And, and it's happened right after a contest, right, when all the energy of the event is there and people come up and say, great speech and congratulate you. Whether you win or not, there's usually someone that will come over and say it's really impactful. But beyond that, I've had the privilege of people coming up to me in the supermarket. And, and one time in the airport, and I think it was in Austin, Texas, someone comes over and says, hey, Michael, how are you? And I look because I really didn't know the person. I said, good. And they say, hey, I'm a fellow Toastmaster. And I saw your speech about this rock. I won't bore you with the details of the speech, but it's about core values. And he said, I remember that speech. It had such an impact on me. I mean, right now it's giving me chills just thinking about that experience because when someone confirms for you that you have somehow impacted them, I mean, that's why we do this, right? That's Mm -hmm. why we do this. And Toastmasters just somehow through the magic of the process that has been created helps us to get better at doing that. Getting that confirmation, hey, I really did get through somebody. I'm doing, I must be doing something right. Exactly, Don. So that person out there in Toastmasters land who says, I, maybe now I understand a little bit more about why people are, like Michael, are in contests, but he sounds so good and so polished and he's been in so many, it's easy for him. But there's always that first time, right? There is. There is. And whether, you know, you have the benefit of speaking in your day job or your, you know, your teacher or if you're an attorney or whatever it might be. And you say, well, I've already got some skills or you're the person that feels like I'm going to Toastmasters because I just need to not pass out when I speak. The contest is for every one of them. It's not if you come in with the idea that I am going to grow because of this, then there's nothing to lose. So if you go out and you don't win the trophy and you go out and let's just say you don't even give a speech that you're proud of at the end for some reason, although I would make the argument that anytime you stand up in the Toastmasters environment, you should be proud because there are people that don't even do that. So I encourage people because the contest is a compression of learning and, and, and that's, just something I've not only experienced, but I've watched it in other speakers. I watch a speaker that enters the contest reluctantly. And along the way, you see this light bulb come on because whether they did well in their mind or not, they do usually at the end go, wow, I have learned so much more. I mean, and that's what Toastmasters at its core is about. It's about personal growth and improvement. And whether you choose to do that through a contest or just, you know, serve in some other way, I say do both. Get everything you can from it because there's nothing like it on the planet. And I'm someone who has the privilege of speaking everywhere on the planet. And there's just nothing. You can go take a course and you can do that. You should. And you should read books about speaking. And I do. But until you get in the game and experience the magic of feedback, there's just, just, just no way to duplicate it. There are lots of opportunities to speak in Toastmasters in the regular meetings. And these days, there are a lot of online webinars that people have been doing for the district. And those of you who are interested, go check out the District 3 YouTube channel. We have hundreds of videos that have been put up there in recent years. But the idea of getting out there and if an opportunity is there, like it is now, to 
compete in a club, just go out there and do it. Just do it. I don't know anybody who's participated in a contest and was sorry they did. They didn't, maybe didn't win, but they're not sorry they tried. That's right. One of the former world champions of public speakers is named Darren LaCroix. Darren is very talented, and I remember watching his speech in person, his winning speech. He has a saying, stage time, stage time, stage time. The idea being, take every opportunity you can to speak. Is Every time you do, you get better. That's right. And if you speak in different places and different venues and for different reasons and with different emphasis and with different topics and different audiences, you will keep learning and you'll learn every time. For me, and I've said this many times in speeches in my club and elsewhere, Toastmasters is like a gym. Because people have said to me, well, Michael, you've been doing this for 20 years. You're a good speaker. You speak in your day job. Like, why do you keep coming to Toastmasters? And, and not everybody likes to work out, but if you like to work out, do you do it once and then never go back and do it again? You can do that, but you're probably not going to be as healthy. And it's the same with Toastmasters. Once you're in and you realize that this speaker's gym will hone that leadership muscle, it'll hone that communication muscle, you, you, it's like an addiction. You, know, you just fall in love and you realize that if it's going to make me better, why stop? Because if you're not moving forward, you're moving. But there is no neutral. I know we like to think there's neutral, but you're either going forward or you're going back. Kobe Bryant didn't used to go in the gym and shoot a thousand free throws because he didn't know how to shoot a free throw. I heard a quote from him one time to, to another younger player saying, you're never going to catch me. You're never going to catch me because I'm up at three in the morning and I've been doing this for 15 years and I'm not going to stop doing it. Right? could have stopped. could have stopped. Made all the money needed. And I, just the same way with Toastmasters. Yeah. Like once you're in... The benefits, they almost compound, Don. They mm -hmm. almost compound. Toastmasters, at the beginning at least, is more like a low-impact aerobics. And the value comes from repetition and staying with it. Start with simple exercises. And in Toastmasters, we do. We start with simple instructions, simple speeches. It's not a rocket science kind of a game. But you get better and you get more confident. And that's the other thing. Self-confidence. A lot of people join who, it's not so much about fear, but they're not very confident in their abilities. Right. They'll get up and try it, but they're not really confident in their ability to be a leader. They're not confident in their ability to persuade someone or to influence someone. And Toastmasters gives them those skills, gives them that feeling. It does. And I think it, it teaches you, at least in the contest specifically, it, it I won't speak for the I'll talk about me personally. It's taught me how to accept the the loss of competition through a lens of growth. Right? Sometimes in life we lose and we all the great saying, right? You fall forward and learn from your failures, and we should all do that. But the beauty of the contest process is you get to go back if you record yourself, and I encourage people to do this. And you can watch and you can go, you know what? I probably shouldn't have won that contest because look at that. Forget about comparing yourself to anybody else. Compare yourself to you. And you'll see from, you know, the first time you do it to the second time you do it and the third time you do it, you'll see this growth. But you know what you'll also see? You'll see a hiccup along the way and go, how can I be this advanced and make 
that kind of error. Well, maybe you stopped lifting weights for three weeks and I have to go back to a lower weight. And it happens as speakers and it happens as leaders. No one's perfect. I shave me, so I know this, but, but I encourage people <laughs> to approach the contest cycle through that lens that you're going to grow whether you fail or you succeed. And I don't think you fail just by showing up and being there. You, you've already won. Right. Yeah. It's a great thing. It's a great, I can't, I mean, I could talk about contests all day long. I, one other thing I would add is that we're role models as we are competing. And in the beginning, I really didn't get that if I'm honest about it. But as I went forward, I realized you know, whether I win or lose, I'm hopefully inspiring some person that's sitting there going, hey, that dude can do it. I can do it. Or the opposite saying, I want to be that dude, right? Or that mm -hmm. lady. And so we're role models when we're competing. Um, one last story, I guess. I was at the semifinal round for the world championship in, it doesn't matter what year, it was quite a few years ago. And the first speaker was this young man and he was, he, he was going to be, he drew number one and he was just beside himself. And I'm going to be competing against him. He was in my heat and I took him aside. I said, Hey man, what's your name? And we're talking. And he said, um, I've had the privilege of winning and losing from number one. Just go out there and be yourself and, and give the audience everything you've got. I probably wouldn't have done that in 2003, right? I was so focused on winning the trophy and not understanding the greater process of Toastmasters. It teaches you that life skill, which is much more important than any trophy that somebody's going to hand you. Although it's not too bad to get yeah. the trophy too. <laughs> I would imagine that with your experience in Toastmasters and in contest in particular, you've had a few chances to mentor other speakers. I have. I have. It's, and that's what a privilege, Don. You know, we come at it and I think sometimes people go, oh man, I gotta, I gotta make time. No, it's such a privilege when you see that person who started out with some very basic questions and then suddenly you see their growth and now their questions are no longer just about a speech contest. They're about, hey, I've got this presentation at my job. This happened to me not too long ago, someone I'm mentoring and they're like, I'm preparing for a big presentation in front of 300 people. And this counts. And right. That's right. There is no do-over, right? <laughs> there's no there's no do-over. And I used to have a friend that, that was an executive for a company I won't mention. And he used to say, you know, when we're learning in school, we can get the B. You, you know, when you're trying to close a big deal, B means the deal didn't get closed. And you're walking away and you're learning from it, but it's not what you wanted. And that's what this was. And But that's not how the relationship started, right? It started, help me with my icebreaker. Help me with my second speech. And next thing you know, you're helping them. Not that the, the speech, the icebreaker doesn't matter, but suddenly it really matters in their career. And those relationships are just, I mean, they're lifelong, right? And what a privilege to serve in that way. And those people... Everybody that you've touched and influenced, many of them stay in Toastmasters for many years, and they give back to the next generation, the next new person, that next mild-mannered speaker who comes in shaking in their boots about giving a speech. It all keeps going, and the organization keeps growing. It does, and that's the magic of, and I know it sounds cliche when you say that, but it really, there is something special about what the, the the process and the people bring to the process 
that almost makes you become addictive to wanting to continue to give. And then as you say, that person that you help give to continues it on. Of course, people leave organizations all the time, but I still believe those folks that leave, they're still better because of the process. And maybe life intervened in a way that it's not right for them right now, but it doesn't mean they didn't grow. And for all we know, they're off teaching to someone else some of the values and principles they learned right here. Michael, there are people who will be listening to this podcast who are not Toastmasters, and I hope that they've been able to see the value, not of being in a contest, because that's that's not too meaningful to them at this point, but find a Toastmaster club uh, yeah. and, and get involved. Just start the process. Michael and I have both been in for 20 plus years. You don't have to be in that long to get the value and the benefit of being a Toastmaster. You don't. And I realize that not everybody's going to maybe be on the radio, but I, I tell you that Toastmaster table topics piece, which to some people on the outside where someone's going to throw you a question and you're going to talk for 60 seconds on some random topic and you're thinking, what value is that? Be on a radio show and have a host ask you a question that wasn't part of the prep that you were sent from the producer. And it's live. You don't get to go back and edit it later. It is invaluable. And well, I'll give you another one. You're at a job interview and the inter- the personnel manager asks you a question that you weren't prepared for. If you've been in Toastmasters practicing table topics and getting used to that feeling of, oh, here's a topic that I'm not prepared for. How, how do I handle it? That's right. Your, your brain goes a million miles an hour at that moment. But if you've been practicing, you will still come across as confident. That's right. You may or may not give the answer they want, but hey, you know, that may be true even if you had prepared for it. (laughs) That's right. And Don, since you brought it to the job, you know, the professional world, the other thing I would say is if you're a leader in your job, and I mean a direct leader with, with, you know, people working for you or not, the process of learning how to give effective feedback you're going to have to do that. If you want to be a leader, it comes with the territory. And even if you're not aspiring to be a leader in your job, you're going to have to give feedback to peers, to people on projects and that evaluation process. We all think we're great at giving feedback till we have to give it in front of a group and learn and have a leader come over to us in Toastmasters and go, hey, that you know, evaluation was okay, but here's some things maybe you want to consider to package differently the next time because you want to influence that person to grow. You're not trying to damage them. And that's true in our day jobs yeah. and with our kids, frankly. Yeah. Toastmaster program has the principles of, of giving speeches, doing table topics, and giving evaluations. Those evaluations are very important to keep the, the member motivated and wanting to come back and improve. And that's the whole point of an evaluation in Toastmaster. That's a skill that you can transfer anywhere. That's exactly right. And and it's if you've been out in the workforce, you know it's not it's not common to have that skill where you're an effective at, uh, leader at giving feedback that motivates people to improve as opposed to walk away feeling like, you know, I'm useless. I, I can recall... It was very soon after I joined Toastmasters, probably just been in for two or three years. And I moved to a different job. This was back when Motorola was still hiring and and doing well. And I went to a new place and we had a project and I was leading 
I think it was a project leader meeting, and I had an agenda. Nobody ever had an agenda at Motorola. <laughs> I had a printed agenda, just like we do in Toastmasters. We got through the program, got through that meeting, and my supervisor made a comment. He says, wow, that meeting went very well. You did a good job with that. And I said to him, it's Toastmasters. Yeah, it's a skill you've been practicing yeah. for, for years. You're not reading about it. <laughs> yeah. And again, folks, it's not rocket science. The program is very simple, and the, the secret is showing up. That's exactly right. Well, Michael, I appreciate you for showing up today. This has been a great interview. I'm sure our listeners will enjoy hearing about uh, what you've been doing in Toastmasters. We've got a contest season starting up. It's This is being recorded in January of 2022. This is the beginning of our contest cycle this year. So out, go out there, say yes when your, your club president says, who wants to be in the contest? That's right. You just never know. You might win. You might win, and you'll be hooked and addicted for life. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael, thank you so much for this interview. Thank you, Don. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. To volunteer to be featured on the podcast or to suggest future topics, write podcast at aztoastmasters.org. That email again is podcast at aztoastmasters.org. Toastmasters International and all other Toastmasters International trademarks and copyrights are the sole property of Toastmasters International. This podcast is independent of Toastmasters International. It is not endorsed by, sponsored by, affiliated with, or otherwise connected with Toastmasters International, other than for the use of the name Toastmasters International.